Welcome to the South, South Suburban Vineyard Church, like uh, Jerry said. My name is David Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here, and I, uh, I want to welcome anybody who's with us for the first time, or if you feel like you're kind of newish in, the, in, uh, in town, we, we, we're so thankful that you're here and that you join us. Uh, also want to welcome anybody who's listening to us on our website or our podcast. Of course, we always, always want you to join us here on Sunday mornings. Well, when I was, when I was growing up, I, I grew up with four other siblings, and I'll tell you, we fought about everything. I mean, we argued about everything. There's, so there's five of us, and there were probably seven or eight opinions that we're arguing about. I mean, you could just pick up a couple different opinions and just kind of go at it. And in some cases, we're almost like known for this. But I'll tell you, there was one thing that united us. There was one banner that we all sort of stood under, arm to arm, and we just agreed on that no matter what happened, we were going to stand firm in this, and that was that we were never going to watch the news. <laughs> we were never going to watch the news. We're watching TV, and we used to watch TV a lot. The news would come on. I'll tell you, we were like clamoring for that remote to try to hurry up and change it as fast as we can. And, so, and then, of course, we argued about what we would watch, and that's kind of how that went. But I just, I just, we would just, I, my family wasn't a news family. And I don't know, my, my dad still somehow knew what was going on in every part of the world. I think he might have watched the news in the middle of the night, you know, snuck down or read the newspaper like under the table or something. But anyway, my, my family just wasn't a news family. But as I got older, I just, I was taught the wisdom of understanding what's going on in the world around us. I think I was at work and some people were having these adult conversations and I was like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so... I just decided for myself, and you know, a few other reasons, I decided for myself, listen, I probably need to pay attention to the news. But it's hard. It's really hard for me. Not only am I battling this sort of hereditary, like, hatred for the news, but it's really hard to watch the news. You know, I, I read the websites, I read the, the, the newspapers, and yeah, there's some stories about heroism, and there's some, I love reading the stories about you know, achievements in, in uh, science and culture and arts, and I, I love reading about the sports. Uh, and, and, you know, there's some, and some humor pieces and, I don't know, puff pieces. I like those things. But it just seems like the vast majority of the headlines is just item after item, such a long list about how our world is in just such disarray. It's just we live in a world of chaos and hurt and pain. There's wars all over the world. There's refugee crises, there's economic crises, there's labor crises. People are desperately looking to just make a buck. There's race relations issues, there's abuses of power. I think our own politicians would say our political system is broken, right? There's just so much going on in the world. There's mass shootings, rampant murder, there's poverty, sickness, and of course the list can go on and on and on. Our world is in terrible, terrible disarray. And sometimes, sometimes I just have to, like, force myself to read it because I don't want to. I don't want to. It's hard. It's hard. And, you know, even if, I, even if I turn off the TV or walk away from my computer or put down the newspaper, I still can't escape the, the brokenness of this world. My house is, it seems like someone gets sick every, every couple of weeks or every week. My car the other day, uh, the brakes were literally smoking. Like, we got out of the car and there was smoke Coming out of the brakes, that was, a little, that was a little scary, but there's tension at work. My life has just felt almost especially heavy, heavy lately. And the headlines of my own life 
are difficult to read sometimes. And then I pick up the Bible and I read something that, that doesn't seem to quite fit with the world that I see around me. Something that's altogether different than my perception of the world. From the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, we see very clearly that God wants peace for our lives. And even though the world seems to be running off the rails, the Bible tells us over and over that God wants peace for our lives. One of the more obvious occasions or proclamations of this, of this peace was written by a prophet named Isaiah who wrote about the coming Messiah, the Savior of the world. And Isaiah was talking about Jesus. When he wrote this very familiar passage, he wrote, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The coming of Jesus was meant in part to bring peace, to bring restoration to this world. And then Jesus does come as the fulfillment of this prophecy. And in one of his many times where he's teaching the disciples, he tells his disciples, my peace, I am leaving with you. Now, God either inspired Isaiah to write a very nice Christmas card so that we have something to hang on the wall. And maybe Jesus was just kind of being nice to his disciples and, you know, and all that. But or, or the case is that we could take the Bible at its word and believe that God wants peace for our lives. And, North, and we just see that as the Bible wants us to have more peace, we also see that it's so closely tied to increasing our capacity for peace. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Increasing Your Capacity, where we've been talking about how God wants these very, very wonderful, wonderful things for our lives. And it's, uh, and it's likely the case that our personal experience with those things, how we interact with those things, how much we have of those good things in our lives has a lot to do with our personal capacity for those things. And we talk about capacity just simply meaning the amount of something an object can hold. So, for example, this cup has a certain capacity, right? And so what we've been saying is that God wants us to have these great things. He wants us to enjoy his love. He wants us to enjoy his wisdom. He wants us to, to know his forgiveness and enjoy his leadership. But not just experience those things, but to increase our capacity and regularly and more fully experience the gift of, of those God-given, wonderful, beautiful things in our lives. And so this morning I'll continue our sermon series talking about how I think God wants to increase our capacity for peace. Some of you, this is clicking. Some of you, you know God's peace or you know a measure of his peace and you, and you get excited about this. But some of us, some of us have no peace at all. Some of us have very, very little peace. And I just feel like no matter where you're at today, I feel like God wants to increase your capacity for peace. Uh, earlier this week, my wife, uh, Jenny, who led worship for us this morning, she asked me, what are you going to be preaching on? And I, I got really excited, and I'm telling her, you know, God wants to increase our capacity for peace, and she just kind of looked at me with a stare, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what does it mean to increase your capacity for peace? Well, my hope for us this morning is that I'll be able to answer that question, the very astute question that my wife asked, and maybe you asked that exact same question, what does it mean to increase our capacity for peace because I want you to know deep down in your heart and in your lives that not only does God want you to have peace, but God wants you to increase the amount of peace that you have. And in order to do that, we have to increase our capacity for peace. 
And I want to start by reading a passage from John chapter 14. I'd love it if you would join me there. John chapter 14. I alluded to the passage earlier as I talked about what Jesus was talking to his, to his disciples. Um, I, think it's, I think it's really worth digging into. John chapter 14. We'll start reading there. By the way, if you, if you want to follow along in the Bible, there's some Bibles at the ends of, ends of your rows. You can ask a neighbor to maybe pass the Bible down. The words will be displayed on the screen, and of course, you're always, always welcome to pull out a phone, tablet, computer, you can pull out whatever you want. John chapter 14, verse 27. Before I begin, let me, let me just pray for our time. Oh, Father in heaven, I just, just know so, so well that I need your peace. I need it this morning. God, I need it every moment of every day. God, and I ask that you would, you would help me to get out of the way. God, I ask that your spirit would just talk to us so clearly, so directly, that we would be so confident that you want peace for us. You want our lives uh, to, to be so filled with your peace that we just can't help ourselves. Lord, would you help me to get out of the way? Lord, would you bless our time this morning? God, I ask that you would give us an extra measure of understanding as we read your word. I ask that it would come to life in a brand new way. I ask that you would bless every part of our service as we look to, to look to you to find our peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So the passage we're about to read, let me just give you a little bit of context before we read it. The passage we're about to read is a small section of, uh, of a longer talk that Jesus is having with his disciples. And Jesus knows that he's about to be crucified, he's about to be led away, and he's going to be leaving them. And so he is promising them um, these different things, and he's, telling, he's basically trying to help them with what their new life was going to be like. He's leaving, and he's trying to help them kind of get past that hump. Uh, and so we read, so Jesus says as part of that, part of that equipping and encouraging, he, he says in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You know, the passage is so small. Let me just read it again. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. I think this is a great, great passage to launch from as we ask and answer the question, what does it mean to increase our capacity for peace? It's not very long, but I think it's actually packed with some very helpful uh, insights and some very key insights about peace. I think the first thing that it clues us into is the promise of peace. The promise of peace. You know, when we survey our lives and we read the headlines and we look at the world around us, it can seem like peace is this very elusive and almost unachievable thing in our lives. It can seem like it's so far away, like it's this philosophical thing that we're never, ever going to know. But this passage, and like other passages, reminds us that God promised us peace. And if he promised us peace, we're meant to have it. And not only did he promise us this peace... But he offers it to us as a free gift. A free gift. Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. We don't have to barter with God. We don't have to try to figure out how to get this peace. Jesus promises us a free gift of peace. But here's the the thing about a gift. It's up to us to either accept it or to reject it, right? 
Someone hands you a gift. It's up to you to either accept it or to reject it. And so Jesus offers us this free gift of peace, and it's up to us. It's up to us to grab hold of it. It's up to us to grab hold of it. And it might be a little easier to think about as we talk about the love of God. It's the topic that we talk about more often. The love of God. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but God loves you. God loves you more than you will ever know. God loves you to the point where we just can't even imagine it, more than we could ever ask or imagine. God loves you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Right? The Bible tells us this over and over and over, and he's never, ever going to stop loving you. He's never going to pull back his love from us. The thing is, it's up to us to accept that love. It's up to us to, to, to embrace that love. Now, just because we reject it doesn't make it any less true, right? God is still going to love us. It doesn't matter if we, if we neglect it. God is still going to love us. It's up to, but it's up to us to accept it. In a very similar way, the peace of God, the, the peace that Jesus is promising us is available to us. Every minute of every day. And it's up to us to accept it. And I think this is really important because it, it underscores the importance, <clears throat> the importance that our capacity is often based on us accepting these good things from God. Right? God extends these free gifts to us. He extends his love. He extends his wisdom, his forgiveness, and all these beautiful things. But it's up to us to accept them. And I think the more we accept them, the more we fold them into the fabric of our lives, the more we're going to see them grow. The more they're going to gain roots in our lives, the more that there's just going to overflow in our lives. And we need to accept these gifts. So, okay, Jesus is accept, uh, extending this free gift, but what exactly am I accepting? What exactly is this peace that Jesus is promising us? Jesus tells us. He tells us that the peace he gives is peace of mind and heart. And he continues by saying, don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. Another version of the Bible says, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What is, what is this peace that Jesus is extending as a free gift? It's a heart and a mind free from worry and fear. The free gift of God's peace is a heart and a mind free from worry and fear. And this sounds fantastic, right? I mean, it, I know it's a little bit of a sleepy morning, but this is a great time to just say amen. amen. Thank you, God, for extending this peace toward us. A mind uh, 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 free from worry and fear, this is fantastic. Unfortunately, this is the exact moment where I get myself into a lot of trouble. I get myself into trouble because I start to tell Jesus how he can put my heart and mind to rest. I start to dictate to him the terms how he can give me peace. Any of you ever do this? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just the only one. It's okay. I'm, it's okay if I'm the only one. But I would pray something like, you know, Jesus, if you would only give me this certain thing, then I can have peace. Then I can have peace. If you just give me that other thing too, that thing behind that thing, give me that thing too. You know, if you would just give me a better boss, oh, my workplace would be at peace. If you heal my kids, my home would be at peace. If you change the hearts of the people around me, my life would just be at peace. And in my case, God, if you would just tell my wife to do everything that I tell her to do. Come on, don't tell me you've never prayed that. Then my life would be at peace, right? 
But this is, this is exactly the peace that Jesus doesn't promise us. This is exactly the peace that Jesus doesn't promise us. Now, he might. He might respond to those requests. He might change his circumstances. But is it, he doesn't promise to do that. Unfortunately, there are a lot of believers who kind of get hung up on this. And I myself even find myself confused and I get frustrated and disappointed with God. But the problem is, I am thinking about peace that the way the world thinks about peace. But Jesus says so very clearly, he says, the peace I give as a gift, the world cannot give. In other words, the peace that Jesus offers us is so very different than the peace that the world would try to offer us. Because why? The peace, according to the world, has everything to do with our circumstances. Everything to do with our circumstances. It's the absence of conflict, right? What, you know, what's the bumper sticker, peace in the Middle East? What does that mean? That there's no more conflict in the Middle East. Financial peace is getting out of debt, the conflict of debt, balancing your budget, right? Peace at home it just simply means everybody's finally getting along. There's no more arguments. There's no more, you know, infighting. In all these different scenarios, peace is all about changing your circumstances. But Jesus never promises to do that. He never promises to do that. You know, I think about the situation where Jesus is telling his disciples that he is going to give them peace. Jesus knew what was going on. He knew that he was going to die. He knew that his disciples were going to live a very hard road ahead of them and live a very hard life. He knew all these things, but he didn't change their circumstances. But he could have. He could have very easily changed, his, changed the circumstances of the disciples before he, he left the earth. If Jesus could take a small boy's lunch of a few fish and a few loaves of bread, surely he could take everybody's pocket change and, you know, multiply it to this giant mound of money, right? At least for church planning efforts, right? I mean, for a noble cause, of course, they wouldn't do anything inappropriate with the money, right? But he could have changed those things. He could have, you know, Jesus says, I, could, I have the authority to bring down angels and basically wipe out this political and economic oppression of the Roman Empire over the Jewish people to save, to, to establish Jesus' kingdom. But he didn't. He didn't do that. He could have changed the hearts and, and relieved the pressure of his disciples from the religious persecutors who were, who were going to kill the disciples, who were going to persecute and try to round up and try to kill all of Jesus' followers. He could have done that. And if Jesus could have changed the situation, you have to ask yourself the question, why didn't he? Why doesn't Jesus change our circumstances all the time? Sometimes he does. But why doesn't he? I'll tell you, the real answer is probably so far above my head, I, I don't presume to know that. The Bible says the ways of God are so far above our ways. I, I don't fully understand everything that Jesus does. But even in my limited mind, even in my limited mind, I just understand that if Jesus changed these conflicts, these circumstances, there was always going to be these circumstances. There's always going to be something else. There's always going to be something else. So maybe, yeah, Jesus could have given him money, could have given him a little bit of protection, but something else would have happened. And until Jesus comes back and, you know, reestablishes his, his kingdom here on the earth, until he, he makes the heavens and the earth new, and until he, he brings peace once and for all and gets rid of all shame, fear, pain, suffering, and all those things, there's always going to be conflict and chaos in our lives. We live in a broken world. 
we live in a broken world, there's always going to be something else, right? And I think this is why the peace that Jesus offers us is so much better than the peace that the world can offer us. Because what Jesus offers us is a no matter what peace. A no matter what peace. No matter what's going on in our lives, we can have peace of mind and heart. No matter what's going on in our lives, we could be free from worry and fear in our lives. No matter what the circumstances are, we can be free from, from, from pain and anxiety. or uh, Not pain, but anxiety and fear. No matter how far in debt you are, no matter how difficult our family life is, no matter how many people are coming against you, no matter what the doctor says, no matter who gets elected and what legislation is passed, no matter what the you know, prospect is of our world 20, 30, 50 years from now, no matter what is going on, you can have peace. That's the peace that Jesus offers us. doesn't matter what the circumstances are. We can have peace of mind and heart, freedom. Freedom from fear and anxiety. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? Now the question becomes, how do I get there? How do I get that peace? How do I get this peace that Jesus is promising to us? Does it just kind of come with the package? Is there like a light switch that turns on and instantly I have peace? No, I, I would suggest to you this morning that I think that there is a process to peace. Process of peace. We talked about the promise of peace. Now we talk about the process of peace, and I think we see this very clearly in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, and the Apostle Paul, who was a missionary who helped plant churches all over the ancient Near East, wrote, he is writing a letter to the church at Philippi, the ancient city of Philippi. And he writes quite a number of things, but part of that letter, he writes, Philippians uh, 4, uh, starting in verse 6, he says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. I think when you break this down, I think we see a process to this peace. What it seems like is the process of peace happens in the form of an exchange, of a trade. So that's the process of this peace. And now, wait a minute, I, th- I thought this was a free gift. I thought we didn't have to do anything. I thought we just needed to grab it. Well, it is. Let me just explain. I feel like the, the peace that God offers us is so big and overwhelming, we can't grab that and hold on to what we want to hold on to. We have to put something down in order to grab what God has for us, right? We can't hold on to two things. So what is Paul telling us we need to let go of? Well, he says we need to let go of worry and fear. We have to let go of worry and fear. In order to experience the peace of God, we need to let go of our worry. Paul begins this passage by saying, don't worry about anything. And this is exactly what Jesus was talking about, right? Back in John chapter 14, Jesus said in that passage, he said, don't be troubled or afraid. He said, let go of our fear and our worry. And one of the things we see in both of these passages is that giving up or uh, letting go of our fear and our worry has to be a conscious decision. It has to be a conscious decision. We talked earlier about choosing to accept the good things from God. You know, God loves you and will continue to love you no matter what, but we have to choose to accept his love that comes from God. 
We can't hold on to hatred and bitterness and also hold on to God's love. Right? We can't say that we're, we're, you know, doing our own thing and living the way that we want to live and say that we are holding on to the wisdom of God. Right? We can't hold on to resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness and say that God has changed our lives and we're holding on to God's forgiveness in our lives. Right? We have to put something down. We have to make the conscious decision to let some, something go in order to pick up the good things that God has for us. And so what do we need to let go in order to experience the peace of God? We have to let go of our fear and our worry. And one of the big problems, though, is that it can be really, really hard to let go of fear and worry. Really, really hard. Some of our fear and worry has some, some very, very deep roots and trauma and pain in our lives. Some of the things in our history still pull the strings of our hearts and minds that it can be so easy to go back and dip back into fear and worry. Not only that, but our current circumstances. The circumstances of the world around us are in our face. They're pressing in on us from all sides. They're, they're literally just constantly in our face. They're the headlines, they're the, the pain that we see, the sickness that we feel, all these things. It can be so easy to go back into fear and to worry. Nevertheless, no matter how difficult it is, we still have to choose to accept God's peace. We have to make a conscious decision to let go of fear and worry so that we can have the good things that God wants for us. Okay, you got me. I've decided to let go. Now, how do I actually do that? How do I actually do that? Well, let me just say that there are probably a number of ways that you would need to let go of fear and anxiety in your life, especially as you consider your personal history, your, you know, where God has you in your life, just kind of the circumstances of your own life. But I think if you look at this passage, I think Paul tells us two things that run across the board that I think we all need to do in order to let go of fear and worry in our lives. One of the things I think we all have to do in order to experience the peace of God is to let go of fear and worry through prayer. Fear and worry through prayer. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. It might be a great thing to talk to a counselor and tell them what's on your mind. In fact, I know some of you do, which is great, which is absolutely great. It might be helpful to talk to a friend or talk to a family member, talk to your mini group, talk to a pastor, get some prayer, right? It might be helpful to do that, to have someone speak over you, right? But at some point, you got to talk to God. You have to give God your fear and your worry. We can't get around this. We can't get around this. We need to go to God with our fear and our worry. Let me offer a metaphor that I think might help explain this. Uh, do, do any of you order anything from Amazon.com? Yeah, okay. I promise this will tie in. Just track with me, okay? I love Amazon. I love Amazon. My wife and I, we bought so many things from Amazon. We're prime members. I think we might you know, sign up to be a spokesman. Uh, we love it. You know what I love about Amazon? Is that I don't have to talk to anybody or do anything. I just click a couple buttons, and then there's toilet paper at my door like two days later. And then I click a couple other buttons, and then I can get a toy for my sons. 
And then I click a couple other buttons and then there's a spatula and I think you can even buy houses on Amazon. That, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true, you can't. But you can buy just about anything. And I love that you don't, they, they, they know how I like to do things. I like to do things quick and easy at the tip of my fingers. Just get right to it, right? Well, God doesn't work that way. God's not like Amazon. We can't just read a couple Bible verses and, you know, expect peace to be packaged very neatly at our doorstep two days later. We can't just say there's some ancient prayer and expect the Holy Spirit to just completely remove all of our fear and worry. You need to talk to God. There's a process to this. You need to go to God regularly with your fear and your worry as the circumstance comes up. It's not a quick and easy thing. There's a process to this. There's a process to this. God wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants to work through those things with you. Paul tells us, pray. Pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. Lay it all on the table. Don't hold anything back. Tell him what's bothering you. Tell him what you need. And while you do that, you have the op- we have the opportunity to lay down your burdens. Through that conversation, through that FaceTime, through that connection with God, we have the opportunity to lay down our fear and our worry. And we see this as an example all throughout the book of Psalms. And so many different Psalms read as somebody just crying out to the Lord, God, my life is in a mess. Enemies are all around me. Trouble seems to be around every corner. My life, my family is in disarray. Everything just seems wrong with my life. And we could take that example from the Psalms and we could say, I could do that. I can do that. I can just lay my, lay my heart before the Lord. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that happens in the Psalms that I think is also very helpful for us. Every time we read these Psalms or someone's just kind of yelling at God, or not really yelling at God, but they're just crying out, they're just sort of laying everything bare, there's always a shift. There's always a shift. And we read the authors shifting their focus away from their circumstances and focusing on God. And this is the second thing that we all have to do in order to let go of fear in our lives is we need to shift our focus. Shift our focus onto God. You know, we start by praying. We, and as we pray, we shift our focus, our perspective onto God and his goodness. Paul says in that verse that I, that I started reading, he says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. Again, Paul's telling us to tell God what's bothering us. Tell him what's on our heart. Tell him what our concerns are. But we can't leave it there. We can't just, can't just walk away from that. There has to be a shift. And to help us with that shift, to help us start looking toward the things of God, Paul tells us, he exhorts us to thank God for all the good things he has done in our lives. Now, consider you sitting down and actually writing out all the good things that God has done in your life. It might take you a while. It would take me a really, really long, long time if I actually sat down and wrote out all the good things that God has done for me. And as I do that, as I focus on those things, something begins to happen. My issues are still my issues. My circumstances are still my circumstances. But when, we're, when they're stacked up next to the goodness and awesomeness of God, something happens. They begin to pale in comparison. 
they begin to lose their power and foothold in my life. And this is what Paul is telling us. Listen, let go of your fear and worry by focusing on the goodness of God and all that he has done for you. Sure, you can focus on the bad things, but focus on the God. Focus on God. Yesterday, I had an encounter with my wife that I thought illustrated this um, very, very well. My, my wife and I, we had a little bit of a spat yesterday. And I know that's really disappointing to you guys because I know you hold us in such high esteem. I mean, Jenny, is, she is a model for all women. I mean, it's, she's pretty wonderful. Anyway, but we had a moment. We had a moment. And, you know, I had to leave to continue working on, working on the sermon, and, and we kind of had this conversation. Um, and when I got here, you know, my heart was still heavy. I, I don't like it when we, when we argue. Yes, I said the A word. We argued, and, um, and I said, you know what? I, and I tried to practice what I'm preaching. And so I sat down, and I just cried out before the Lord. I told God, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. And then I just felt the Lord say, you know what, thank me for Jenny. And I just spent a while thanking God for Jenny and everything that she means to my life. The helper, the the workmate, the beautiful person that she is. And then as I did that, I just thought, you know what, how silly was that argument? This ridiculous little thing. When I'm able to look at Jenny and see how much of a blessing she is in my life. Now, Jenny's great, but she's not God. Imagine sitting down and thanking God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who has pulled you out of the mire, the muck, and the the, the sin and brokenness of your life and has uh, brought you to where you are, brought you to to, to his son, to to his face. Imagine the God who wants absolutely every good and perfect thing for your life. The God who is all powerful, all knowing, all wise, all good, all trustworthy. The God who, who, who shines his favor on us whether we, whether we know it or not. The God when we, were, when we were selfish and broken and perhaps we're still selfish and broken and he loves us. And he loves us no matter what. When we focus our eyes on God then all my circumstances seem a little bit less powerful. And power is taken away from our circumstances. And power is given to our God. We shift our focus away from our circumstances and we thank God. We thank God for who he is. We thank him for all he has done. We thank him as we engage in this process of peace. As we decide to let go of fear and worry, we come to God in prayer and we shift our focus onto God and away from our circumstances. Paul says... Then we will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Once we've embraced this peace of God in our lives, then we can live every day with the protection of peace. Every day with the protection of peace. And what this means is that when our circumstances try to overwhelm us, God's peace guards our hearts and minds. When our fear and our worry try to creep in, God's peace protects us. When anxiety and confusion try to derail you, God's peace steadies you. 
God's peace is no longer this elusive thing that we grasp for in the darkness of our lives as the darkness tries to surround us. Instead, God's peace surrounds us and protects us from whatever circumstances life might try to throw our way. And something begins to happen where peace is this distant thing that we don't really know. And as we embrace and engage in this process, God's peace protects us. It surrounds us. It guides us. And that's the goodness of God extending his peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's why it's so important to lean into this, to grab hold of this and to live this out. And the, the thing is, the more, the more we grow in this, the greater our capacity is for peace, the greater peace will protect us. The greater life have, will have less power over us, the less our circumstances will have power over us. And when things try to come in, they won't be successful. And we lean in so that we can increase our capacity for peace. And we can understand the peace of God, and it will protect us. I'd like to tell you a story that I think illustrates this so beautifully. Um, And and I'll end with this. This past week, I had the opportunity to pray with uh, my brother Eugene Wright at uh, Eugene Wright at Small Group. Um, And many of you know Eugene. He's, He's been a faithful part of this community for quite some time, but... As we were praying, he was telling me the story, and I, I, I asked him for his permission to tell you this, and he gave it to me. Um, but, but the story goes like this. Um, Eugene, is, is a, uh, he works for a car service, and so he, part of his job is to driving people from here to there. And this past week, he, he had the opportunity to drive somebody from Valparaiso, Indiana, all the way up to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which, you know, the distance, the time, it would have been a, a pretty good day. Well, he's up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, running a little bit low on gas, and he, he wants to get something to eat, and he, uh, and he decides to check his bank account. And he checks his bank account, and there were zero dollars in his bank account. Zero dollars in his bank account. He's, and he wasn't sure what was going on. Of course, he thought that there was going to be something different, and so he's trying to make all these different phone calls and trying to make sure something bad didn't happen, and, and, and he's trying to figure it out. And he figured it out in a complicated financial situation, just all the money was taken out of his account, and he didn't know about it. And he said to me, he said, in that moment, I had a choice. I could have, I could have gone off the deep end. I could have, could have gotten mad. I could, have, I could have done all these things, but instead, I started to think about God. And I started to think about how Jesus died on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. And he said, David, it's so crazy. It's like me dying for you 10 years from, from the moment I'll ever meet you. He said, God loves me so much that he would do that for me. And he was just recounting all these ways about how God has been so faithful to him, how God has been so so precious in his life, and how God has steadied him. And in this moment where any of us could could have gone off the deep end, and if there's any moment where you think, you know what, I deserve to fly off the handle, it's when someone takes your money, right? But he was steadied by the peace of God in his life. And I was just so overwhelmed as he was telling me that story. It's like, man, Eugene, I want that peace. I want that peace no matter what happens in my life, no matter what circumstances might arise. If somebody were to take everything from me, how would I respond? I wish that I would respond by praising God. He said he, he was worshiping, that his, his worship that morning just began to come alive. And he was worshiping God, and he took his eyes off his circumstance, and he embraced the peace that God had given him. And when the moment came, the peace of God protected him. It surrounded his heart and his mind. 
And I just thought, man, he didn't know this, but I was like, bro, you're preaching my sermon. I mean, I probably should just let Eugene talk to you this morning. But he gets it. And my prayer is that all of us get it. Imagine if you're in that situation. Imagine whatever circumstance you're in right now. That your first response is to praise and worship God. No matter what life comes against you, no matter what fear and worry and anxiety come your way, that you would lift your eyes to the heaven and the peace of God would overwhelm you and surround you. I want that peace for you. And I think it's available. God didn't only give Eugene that. It's available to us every minute of every day. It's up to us to accept it. So how do we put this all together? Worship team, you can come up. Our lives might seem like a mess. The world is in chaos and disarray. It seems like it's just running down the gutter. It seems like peace is elusive. It's something that we can never, ever attain. We see something altogether different. When we read the word of God, we see that God wants peace for you. Jesus said, I give you my peace. And it's up to us, right? It's up to us to accept it, to embrace that, to fold that into the fabric of our lives, to let go of our fear and our worry, to take our eyes off our circumstances, and to to focus our eyes on God, on his kingdom, on the goodness he has, he, he is in our lives, just how wonderful he is in our lives. And we just see that peace isn't this imaginary thing. Peace is real. Peace can be an everyday part of our lives. And God wants, no matter where you're at this morning, whether you feel like you have some measure of peace, whether you feel like you have no peace, whether you feel like peace is just absolutely so far that it's unachievable, I think that God wants to increase your peace and increase your capacity for peace, to deepen your well of peace that your heart and your mind would be steady, would be protected, and so that we can experience the good, good things of God. Where are you today? Maybe some of this is hitting you. Where are you today? Do you feel that peace? Do you feel like maybe God has just abandoned you? Do you feel like circumstances have too much power, they've got too much of a foothold? Do you feel like you just kind of need to ride this out to the sunset? You feel like, you know, it's this, this just not possible. My heart for you this morning, and I see the heart of Jesus is that he wants peace for you. So we're going to continue the service and worship. And, you know, just, I would just say let the Lord continue to, to work this in. We need this into your heart. Need this into your heart. He wants goodness for you. He wants peace for you. Let me pray for our time this morning. Father in heaven, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you created the heavens and the earth. I thank you that you are God. I thank you that we can rely on you. I thank you that you are so trustworthy. You're so generous to us in the good times, the bad times when we deserve it. Well, actually, we never deserve your goodness and your generosity. I thank you that you love us no matter what. I thank you that you have just committed yourself to extending these free gifts of love, of grace, of peace, of good things for our lives. I thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you've given us the gift of your presence in our lives. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. 
thank you for your goodness. Lord, I just, I just, I just lift up to you our fear and our worry, our burdens. I lift up to you just the heaviness that is on this place. God, I ask that you would do your work. No matter what we walked in with today, no matter where we're at today, God, will you help us to move away from where we are and where you want us to be? Lord, would you protect us? Would you guard our hearts? God, will you help us? Would you help us to do what we need to do so that we can live the life you want us to live, which includes living with peace of mind and heart? God, would you help us in that way? In Jesus' name.